In this episode, I'll talk about how important it is to take care of how you are being with your horse just as much as, or maybe a little more than, you take care of what you're doing with your horse. And I'll also share a couple of favorite meditations that I use to get myself back into being in a better state. So here we go, episode 40, Being versus Doing. Hi, I'm Karen Rolfe, and welcome to Horse Training in Harmony. This podcast is about you making progress with your horse in a way that you both can love. It's about learning how to move and be in harmony. Because yes, you really can develop a horse to be both athletic and happy. When we show up as our best selves for our horses, our horses will show up for us. So let's get started. A lot of times we spend much of our focus thinking about what to do with our horse, what exercise to do, what strategy should we use, what technique should we use, how are we using our aids. And yeah, of course, that's important. We need to have the skill and to have the discipline of honing our skills and making really good choices for our horses in order for them to progress. But as I referred to back in episode nine uh, on a podcast called How and What, uh, I mentioned how we have to think about not only what we're doing, but how we're doing. And part of looking at how we do what we do is to look at how we be with a horse. Now, I know that that's not correct grammar, (laughs) but we do have to think about how we be. And be prepared. I have to warn you, this is going to be a bit of a musing again, a podcast musing. I have some notes, but I'm really just going to kind of see where this goes. (laughs) So who knows what we're going to talk about here. Anyway, um, when I think about being and how I'm going to be with my horse, it's, it's more than just how we're acting right? It's, it's more of the energy that we give off. If I was like a hippie, (laughs) I'd say it was like the vibe we give off. You know, it's all the same. It's energy. We all have energy. We're all connected by energy. Energy exists, whether you believe it or not. And we're all um, in some sort of energy state with some sort of vibrational frequency. (laughs) It's happening. So the more that we understand that it's happening and then we can realize that we have choices, we can change it. So it's really about um, our emotional state. It's very much connected to our emotional states. And really, I think it's probably even deeper than that because you can be a certain way and have different emotions washing over you. Now, I think horses most of all, need us to be ourselves. So this is not about telling you how you're supposed to be. There is no right way to be other than to be your authentic self. Now, I think probably if I had to pick 
you know, <laughs> to give you some clues to get a little closer, um, you know, how what's in common, no matter who you are, that our horses might appreciate. I think it could boil down to two things, being calm and being coherent. And by coherent, I mean that you make sense within yourself. Something that humans are not always good at. <laughs> so we know that horses uh, read intention and they read body language. So what I mean by coherent is we want to make sure that our thoughts and our actions are lining up. And if we can do that, it actually opens up a pretty big range of what we can be feeling and still be our best selves and still still be coherent and still, you know, be in a state that our horses uh, can understand and even connect with. So it's not about just being happy. And I know I talk about being happy. I talk about making sure our horses are happy and I talk about us being happy. Um, but there's this great Gandhi quote who said, uh, happiness is when what you think, what you say, and what you do are all in harmony. So again, it's this coherence. So I feel like we can be coherent. We can be happy even when we're sad. <laughs> I know that sounds like it doesn't make sense, but it's about feeling the emotions fully, really feeling it. Because you can be sad or you can be grieving because if something really happened and what you're thinking and what you're saying and what you're doing all match because you're sad, then in a way, you know, according to Gandhi, that's happiness. <laughs> so we have to kind of play with that definition of happiness. It's not always tiptoeing through the flowers with the butterflies circling above your head like a Disney movie. It's something about feeling fully. And I know I've talked about this before. So I think the, the part that horses disconnect from is when we're feeling these weird, compounded, human, <laughs> uniquely human states where we feel bad. We, we feel sad. So that's a real emotion. We feel sad and then we feel bad about feeling sad. And then we feel mad that we feel bad about feeling sad. And then, you know, we feel guilty for feeling mad about feeling bad about feeling sad. Can anyone relate or am I uh, sharing too much here? <laughs> Is it just me? I don't think so. So I think when we start to compound emotional states like that, that's when our horses are like, what the heck? <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> and it really confuses them. And I think it makes them uncomfortable. Now, I'm sure there's some horses who feel that and go, hang on a second, you need me. And they'll actually come closer. Those are the really great, you know, uh, equine assisted therapy horses probably are like, you need me. I'm going to come in and just let you feel my energy. 
But I think for the, for most horses, if we approach them in this state of compounded emotional st emotions stacked on top of each other, they are going to look at us and be like, you make no sense. And they're probably going to want to get away from us or they're going to shut down in some way or get anxious or whatever it is, you know, however that particular horse deals with um, the confusion of body language and thoughts not lining up. So if you have doing things with your horse and you have being with your horse or the way you be with your horse, let, you know, how do you choose what to prioritize? Well, if you, if you do stuff without being aware of your way of being, you can still get some stuff done. So you can do stuff, even if you're not at your best self, you can get stuff done. You can train horses, but chances are it's probably going to be a little harder than it needs to be. Now, if you focus just on being and you neglect the doing part, then maybe you don't make so much progress. You don't get so much done, but chances are your horse is going to like you better. <laughs> so you can, you know, ideally you balance it out and you put attention into being a certain way and noticing how that, how your horse responds to how you're being while at the same time, you're accumulating your skills and you're strategizing wisely and you're, you're paying attention to what you're doing with your horse. So we don't have to choose. Ideally, we're always thinking about our being and then some of the time we're doing stuff. And this is just about really being, being our best. And we've probably all seen the power of this. I'm sure if you've been around horses, if you've had trainers, if you've taken lessons, if you've watched lessons or clinics, you've probably seen this scenario. Someone is having trouble with their horse and a trainer comes up and says, can I play with your horse? And can I help you? Like, let me ride your horse or let me take the line for a moment. And they maybe get on or take the line and then maybe they say a few things. They talk for a little bit to explain what they're going to do. And it seems like they're doing nothing. And already the horse starts to change. So what is that, right? Nothing's been done yet. That only can be the horse picking up the energy state of how that new person is being. It's probably confidence related. It could be calmness related. I'm not sure what it is. And different horses will respond to different ways of being. But that's what's happening. Before even a technique is applied, the horse starts to change their state. And that's the other thing with emotions is because they're energy, they can be put out by either the person or the horse. And once they're put out there, I mean, it's, it's happening. It's, it's, it's in the environment. <laughs> it's already being felt by everybody around you. So sometimes, um, people will say, Oh, I'm, I'm just feeling so frustrated. I don't know why I'm feeling so frustrated. And I'll often, um, tempt the person to go to think about 
is the frustration coming from you or is it in the air? Because maybe you're feeling frustration, not because you're frustrated. Maybe you're feeling frustration because it's coming from the horse. And of course that goes the other way too. If you are feeling an emotion of fear, then fear vibration is out there and your horse can pick up on it too. And they don't even know why they just know in your presence, they feel fear, not because they originally started out scared of you, but because they're connecting to that energy. I know that my horses go better when I'm in a good mood. I mean, without fail, it doesn't mean they're always perfect when I'm in a good mood, but even if I have a training challenge, for some reason, it doesn't bother me. <laughs> it's still a good session because from that state of mind, I can make better decisions. I can keep it all in context. I don't go into this, um, piling up of, Oh, that shoulder in was terrible. And that means I'm a bad rider and oh no, I've put myself out there as a professional and I just had a bad shoulder in. What does it mean? <laughs> you know, when I'm in a good mood, I go, well, that didn't work. And I can, I can change it. I can do something today that'll make tomorrow better. And that's, that's being in a state where you can apply the discipline of training. The discipline is do something today so that tomorrow's better. And I think when we forget that and we start going, this moment is the only one that has, you know, it has to be perfect now. That's when we start to pile on all this other stuff, because sometimes it can't be perfect today. <laughs> but if you're in that, the paradox, if you're in this moment enough to realize that this is as good as it's going to get today. So just do something today that makes tomorrow better. Now you're in a good state for training. Sometimes you want to be in the moment. That doesn't mean you have to make this moment perfect. Ooh, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> so when, when I find what I call a good mood, really the, the real good moods are not coming from a circumstance out there. Yay. My horse did a good shoulder and therefore I'm in a good mood. No, it's the other way around as there's there's something inside of me that is feeling and flowing and it's resilient. I can make a million mistakes and it doesn't bother me because I'm not hyper focused on that and giving it undue meaning that it doesn't need. Just because I didn't have good children doesn't mean I'm a horrible writer in general. <laughs> Now I have a new, um, filly. Uh, I just, uh, got a, a one year old. She just turned one. She's Iberian. So she's half Andalusian, half Lusitano. And she just came to my property in the last couple of weeks. So here I am with this new horse, right? The baby horse. It knows very little. It's got so much to learn and, and it's plunked down. And I'm like, wow, what do I do? <laughs> and it's easy to get so excited, right? There's so much to learn. I could have this, you know, in my mind, I have a checklist of all sorts of things I could be teaching her. And, and what I find myself doing is 
you know, yeah, I have a couple things. All right, got to get her used to the the grooming stall. We got to get her used to, you know, haltering and take, you know, taking the halter on and off and lowering her head and relaxing. There's some stuff like that for sure. But I am, I am putting most of my focus on not being hyper-focused. I'm putting most of my, um, most of my planning is thinking about how do I want to be around her? What do I want her to feel from me when she's around me? And that's just really fun to see actually how many things on my checklist I can get done without really feeling like I'm training. So taking a little saddle pad and rubbing her with it, I could be thinking, I need to get her used to this so she's not scared of it so that I can put the saddle on and so I can ride her. Or I could just be thinking, being with me is so relaxing. I'm in a good mood. There's no pressure. And I just happen to be holding this thing and it's all good. So with my filly, I'm spending so much more time thinking about how I want her to feel around me and how I need to be in order for her to feel that. And from that, you know, calm, happy, because I'm coherent and what I'm thinking, saying, and doing are all matched and that it's no pressure, we have time, isn't this fun, aren't we being curious, you're totally okay. (laughs) From that state, lots of things are happening. She's easier to halter. She's easier to pick her feet out. She stands still better. We go exploring. She's bolder. So there's so many things that are going well. And I'm actually on purpose not doing very much. We spend a lot of time together. We do a lot of stuff, but I'm not thinking about what I'm doing nearly as much as I'm thinking about how I'm being. So I thought I'd share just a couple um, techniques that I use when I feel like my being state is not so great and I want to get back into a better state. So there's two kinds of uh, meditations that I do on a regular basis. One is, and I got this one from Michael Singer, who wrote The Untethered Soul. Highly recommend it. And he recommended doing 15 minutes twice a day, and you count your breaths to 20, and then you start over again. (laughs) So I have to admit, I do not do this twice a day all the time but I do it as I need it. And what I love about this meditation is the simplicity of it. Number one, um, it's drawing attention to the breath, which is just a great uh, tool for changing your state. But I love it because it gives you something to be paying attention to. I mean, that's the whole point of meditation is taking control of your attention. And your focus. 
And by counting the breaths, it brings you into your body. It brings you in the present state. It occupies you from thinking about other things. <laughs> but it makes you, you, you can't just like zone out because you got to keep counting and you got to keep track of when you get to 20, you start over again. And I love that because I want to practice being in this state while I'm out there in the world doing stuff and having to pay attention to stuff. So the other thing that I really <laughs> took me a long time to learn about meditation is it's okay if your mind wanders. Of course your mind is going to wander. That's why meditation was invented. So to not feel bad if your mind wanders during it, but that's the whole point. It's like, yay, I get to practice bringing it back. Yay, I get to practice bringing it back. It's, it's not about can you just land there and meditate? If you can do that, you're done. You probably don't have to. <laughs> but you're doing it for the sake of practicing it. And so often what happens, I have, a, I have my own rule with this, is if, I, if my mind wanders, I start back at one again. So that's my own variation. So often when I do this, it sounds like this. One, two, squirrel. One, two, large blank period of time. Five minutes later, I realize I'm thinking about my next podcast or a video I want to make. One, two, three, large blank period of time. A few minutes later, I realize I'm thinking about what I need at the grocery store. Realize that, come back. One, two, sometimes I'll spend all 15 minutes, I don't get past number five. And if that happens, I go, wow, it's, it's a good thing I'm here because boy, did I need this. But if you can, if you can just play with that and not beat yourself up when your mind wanders and just start at one again, as many times as you need, you'll, you'll see it'll get better. And if you can get in that groove where you can count to 20, oh, that's the other thing I'll do. I'll find myself counting to 30. I'm like, oh, I was supposed to start over again. <laughs> so notice and be amused and just see if you can do that. Start one. Sometimes I'll count the in and the out. That way my brain doesn't have any downtime to slip in. I go one, one out, two in two out. And I find sometimes I'll even, if I'm really distracted, I'll, it'll sound like this. One, 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 one in, one, 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 one out, two, 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 two in, two, 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 two out. And I have to say the numbers like that because if I give my brain even a little space, squirrel, <laughs> it'll go somewhere else. So I'll literally count one, 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 however many counts it takes me to breathe in and how many counts it takes me to breathe out. So anyway, those are some little variations that I do for myself. And I love the feeling when I get into a groove and I can repeat one to 20 and then one to 20 and one to 20, 15 minutes is like amazing. So that's one. And the other meditation that I'll do is one that I got from a book um, called Open, The Open Focus Brain 
Uh, it's an open focus meditation. So the, the book, I'll leave a link to it in the show notes. So if you go to my website for the podcast and click on the episode, there'll be links. Um, it's a book by Les Femi and Jim Robbins. It's called Open Focus. And this is really cool because he's he was a scientist and he wanted to like hack meditation and figure out the quickest way to get to a meditative state where his brain waves were the same as like the monks who had, you know, been meditating their whole lives and getting into what um, is alpha brain waves or what he called alpha synchronous. I'll let you guys read about it. <laughs> uh, but the, the open focus meditation is when you you focus your attention on the spaces between things and in the book comes with um, a cd and you can google um, open focus meditations you can find them on youtube and um, i love doing guided meditations with this so in the open focus guided meditations they have you put your attention on spaces between things, the space between your eyes, the space between your eyelid and your eye, the space between your fingers, the space between you and the wall, the space between you and the moon. I mean, it can go really big or really small. The space between your skull and your scalp, the space, you know, the space between your cells. <laughs> so, you know, different guided meditations go either big space between you and the walls of your room or the universe, or they go really inside. But um, in my experience, the open focus, uh, when you concentrate on the space between things, your brain has a lot of trouble with that. It's It can't grab onto spaces. And so if you're consistent, and this is why I like the guided part, you can hang in there and hang in there and pretty soon your brain just goes I give up <laughs> and that's the point so when your brain gives up you know I love the feeling it just feels like it just opens and when I get in that state usually my jaw drops literally like I can do this when I'm riding around sometimes and literally my I'll be like riding around with my mouth open and I usually notice when like a bug goes in or something that's what my body does it's like my jaw just relaxes and I feel just open. I feel like everything is just passing through me, like I'm I'm empty. That's a really cool feeling. Um, but the, you can do some reading on this alpha brain waves and alpha synchronous. There's lots of different stuff on it. But um, what I love about it is I feel like as I become empty, I feel like that energy connecting between all things passes through me and it's like I'm not in its way so I feel like I'm just part of the whole and that meditation has gotten me there more consistently than any other kind of meditation I've done I've I've done I've done some pretty cool meditations I went to Mexico to Teotihuacan with um, Don Miguel Ruiz who wrote um, the four agreements he's a shaman and uh, we did some meditations on top of the pyramid of the sun that were like they're pretty crazy so that was cool but the open <laughs> the open you know you don't always don't always have a shaman around 
to take you there. But this open focus meditation I found was, it's almost like a meditation hack and it's really cool. But I recommend starting with the guided meditations. And then once you get the hang of it, you can do this at any time. And it's amazing how quickly it can change. So if I'm with a horse and I feel like I'm getting kind of locked up or very narrow focus, and I want to just kind of get that warm, fuzzy, (laughs) open focus. And you can just look around and like, think of the space between the leaves. Think of the space between the blades of grass. Think of the space between your arms as you're riding. Think of, you know, once you get the hang of it, you'll be able to take it with you and, uh, and can start to get into it, drop into it more quickly. So I hope that gives you some things to think about and some tools uh, I think just re- I want to reiterate again, you know, it's it's not about being this like great spiritual being or this Zen monk, you know, who's perfect at all this. It's about being you and letting your bubbliness bubble, letting your, you know, calm groundedness be grounded, letting your whatever it is about you let it be, let you be you, (laughs) be more you and just let it flow. And again, watch out for those piling, piling on emotions. And the more you can just be you and you can have your thoughts and your words and your actions match and you can let it flow. Uh, your horse is just gonna understand you better for sure. And I think then when you actually do stuff, you'll get better results. And the best news about all of this is practicing your way of being is something you can do all the time. (laughs) Even if you're not with your horse, you can practice it all the other hours of the day that you're conscious and not with your horse. You can practice being however you want to be. So... Anyway, I hope that helps. Helps help. I hope it helps you balance the doing and the being. You gotta do and you gotta be. Dooby dooby dooby. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Dooby dooby doo. Be dooby dooby. Anyway, I think it's time to end the podcast. <laughs> uh, let me know what you think. Remember, as always, go to Dressage Nationally Land Facebook group. Let me know what you think. If this episode resonates with you, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Training horses is a long game. The more you listen, the more pieces of the puzzle you'll have. To see all your learning resources, visit dressagenaturally.net. That's where you'll find free videos, online courses, my book. You can sign up for my Wednesday Wisdom email or even book a private consult. Most of all, remember, you got this. Never underestimate the possibility for things to improve in ways you cannot yet imagine. Till next time, love your horse, move in harmony, and enjoy the process.